0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Jubilee Church International. Jubilee is devoted to making disciples, winning the loss to Christ, building strong families, and taking the gospel to the nations. Open your Bibles and join us as the presence of the Holy Spirit helps us to grow a little deeper. We're going to continue. as part two of our series of trusting God when it doesn't make sense. I'm going to add a little Arkansas Southern flair to it. Trusting the Lord when it doesn't make a lick of sense. <laughs> Amen. You know, there's you know we got our own little adjectives down South Arkansas here, right? Uh, when it don't make a lick of sense, <laughs> trusting God when it doesn't make sense. And and last week we talked about. Or the last time we were together, we talked about Noah and trusting God, how Noah trusted God when it did not make any sense at all. And how many of you know we're living in those days? You've got to learn to trust God when it does, sometimes it just doesn't make any sense. And you can't make sense. Listen, you watch the news today, you can't make sense of it. You can't make sense of the crime. You can't make sense of the corruption. I watched the Green Bay Packers lose in the last four seconds of the game last night (laughs) by a field goal, and it just didn't make a lick of sense. (laughs) Right, Steve? It didn't make a lick of sense. (laughs) Ah, oh, but you look at the corruption and the crime and the chaos and the, and the things that are being legalized and the things that are being made normal, the lifestyles and the corrupt and the perversion that we are adopting as just normal part of humanity and a normal part of life, and it doesn't make any sense, and we wonder why are we, we got a generation so confused. And and, and and a generation whose soul is given over to depravity. Yeah. <clears throat> because it just doesn't make sense. Because listen, when you take God and His Word out of the equation, and nothing makes sense. Nothing makes sense. Trust in God. When it doesn't make sense. Um, A.W. Tozer says that most Christians today treat their spiritual life like a playground. Most Christians today treat their spiritual life like a playground. What can God do for me? What can God give me? Oh, isn't it fun? Come on! I can't wait to get to heaven. We even our talk—it's all like, like this whole spiritual thing is. They got some monkey bars and some <laughs> a slide. Where's the where's the slide? I hear some folks getting heaven. Where's the spiritual slide? <laughs> they treat their spiritual. I'm just using analogies that, but you know, a lot of Christians treat their spiritual life. He says like a playground instead of a battlefield. Folks, there's a a big contrast between a playground and a battlefield. And these words, I believe, are never more true than in our time today. Yet we are living in times where demonic forces are outright blatant. Are they not? They are blatant. They don't even hide the fact that they're demonic. Somebody was telling me the other day uh, that they went to Winter Jam one year, and some female Christian artist came out on the stage, and her entry was she's all dressed in this old black robe and black stuff, and all dressed in black, and and it was you know all this. It was dark yeah. and black, and it's like what. What are you doing? What are you doing? Christian music artists get on the Ellen Degenerate show and talk about, well, I, I can't really say if that lifestyle is, is wrong or not. What Bible are you reading? It ain't the Bible. What Bible have you got? I, mean, I just want to let me see what Bible you're reading because it ain't the same one I got. Demonic forces are outright blatant and in the open, and mankind treat them as if they are just another form of mere entertainment. And choices of personal pleasure, it's just another choice. No. And, folks, with that, the spirit of apostasy is rampant in the church. And so, as a result, we see the church ineffective in the culture. Sadly, professing Christians are even deceived many times and drawn into compromise. And moral confusion. Not even realizing they've been taken captive. We see it everywhere. And the scripture warned us that even those who were considered among the elite would be deceived. And this was the state of Israel in the days of Gideon. These, This was the condition. Israel was pagan. They were worshiping uh, the gods of the Midianites and the Amalekites. And the whole time. And what's interesting when you look at this story of Gideon. Is that the Israelites are worshiping the gods of the Midianites and the Amalekites. And the Midianites and Amalekites are... are They're oppressing Israel. They're burning their fields, killing their flock, their herds, everything else. And they would just, they would just oppress Israel. And yet Israel's worshiping their gods. What is wrong with you people? Huh? I can hear God going, what is wrong with you people? Worshiping the very gods of the people who oppress you. And yet I see it in the land today because the church has assimilated a lot of the world around us instead of redefining the world around us. And so as a result of Israel's disobedience to the ways of the Lord, they were taken captive by the Midianites and the Amalekites. The enemy would devour again their crops and destroy their flocks. But then Israel cried out to the Lord. Israel began to call upon the name of the Lord. Let me tell you something. Something happens when you call upon the name of the Lord in your desperation. When you are truly desperate and you turn and you call upon the name of the Lord. He hears. He hears. Listen, Israel called. And, and so now here's, here's what happened, though. Israel calls upon the name of the Lord. And immediately God delivered them. Nope. 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 The first thing God did was what? He sent a prophet to remind them of why they were in the mess. They were in. Israel cried out to the Lord, and God sent a prophet to remind them of why they were in the mess that they were in. See, God can just come and deliver you, and and the problem would be you would you would turn around and go back to the same mess. God's always trying to reveal to us not only himself, but why we get into the messes we get into. Because God wants to deliver you. And in the Hebrew, the concept of deliverance is that you never go back there again. You, you, when, when, What does it say? The truth, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you. It shall not only set you free, but it will mold and shape you into liberty and to the freedom of Christ. See, that's the problem with this doctrine that teaches you come to Christ and you accept his redemptive work. And then you go back and you continue to live in sin. And we call that grace. No, no, that's a lie from hell. Can you say demon? Demon. Y'all remember that? Some of y'all remember that Saturday night live show and the the, the church lady would come out and she'd say, "Mm, Satan, that's Satan. She'd thump her Bible, Satan. No, he came that you might be free. Free. That's why he would tell them that he would heal the lepers and and he would forgive the sins of the sinners and he'd say, go and sin no more. Why is it you know that? Because you know there's truth in that. There's truth in that. Even your flesh knows it. You ain't got to be real spooky spiritual. You ain't got to be a theologian. When I say it, you automatically, you know it. Go in. Sin no more. All right. Do you know why it's so easy for you to... Because it's truth. <laughs> it's the truth. Yeah. Wow. God wants you to know freedom. Amen. And he wants you to recognize those things that keep you captive. So that you can avoid them and send no more, That you might turn and flee from them. That you might draw near to the Lord and resist the devil. Come on. We quote that sometimes. We want the devil to flee from us, but we're chasing him. How about you flee from him in his ways. Wow, so God sent a prophet. That's the first thing he did is send a prophet. Wow. Listen, need God send a prophet to tell us why our nation is in such a mess. Why is it so much of the church continues to act like we don't understand why and how we got where we are? Am I right? So much of the church today, oh God, oh, if my people who are called by my name will hear my voice. Because we just don't know why we're in the mess we're in, Lord. How did we get here, God? I don't know. Let me come into your home and see how you're living. Let me come into your time of prayer. Oh, when is that again? Because I can't keep up with your schedule because you don't pray that much. (laughs) Here's the real question. Would, Would we even listen? Or would we rebuke the prophet in the name of the Lord? (laughs) Nonetheless, in God's great mercy, God sends the angel of the Lord. Y'all know who the angel of the Lord is, don't you? Yeshua, Messiah, the deliverer, Messiah. He sends the angel of Adonai to a young man named Gideon. Now, some of y'all may have heard a message before on Gideon, but I pray God speaks something to you today that awakens within you and stirs and pours new oil into you today. It awakens the light afresh and anew. Now, Gideon, Gideon was a young man who would tend to the grain and hiding from the Midianites. And in his story, we find that even though he's not a very confident fellow. God calls him a man of valor. What does that say to me? That the valor doesn't come from within me. It comes from the, the God I serve. So valor is the Lord's. Valor is not a badge I wear. <laughs> come on. Like a purple heart. Or a meritorious service medal. (laughs) Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Come on, the army, there's some medals the army gives you if you just stick around long enough. And man, you look at a soldier and that's the only ribbon he's got and he's wearing that proudly. (laughs) Especially young soldiers, you know, they got that one ribbon. One ribbon. Oh, that's nice. What'd you get that ribbon for? I stayed in. <laughs> Am I right, Jonathan? Yes. But that young soul is proud of that medal. And that's the way a lot of church is. We just, we're just just happy to be here. <laughs> Sticking around. God called him a man of valor and calls him to deliver Israel. But Gideon is so unsure of his faith. That he puts forth to the angel of the Lord a series of attestations. He wants God to prove something. To, to really to strengthen his faith. And so Gideon is then put to a test. Isn't it interesting? Gideon's going to put God through a test. And so God ends up putting Gideon through a test you know what test he puts him through? He commands Gideon to tear down the idols of the Midianites. Now watch this. I've I've read this story many times before that this really jumped out to me. He's not just destroying the idol of the Midianites. This is a Midianite idol that belongs to his father. This idol belongs to Gideon's father, who is a descendant of the tribe of Manasseh. Y'all know who the tribe of Manasseh is. Manasseh Manasseh and Ephraim, the sons of Joseph. The sons of Joseph. Look when the Judges chapter 6, verse 25. And that night, the Lord said to him, Take your father's bull and the second bull, seven years old. Pull down the altar of Baal that your father has. Now, notice here he's taken part of his father's herd. He's taking two bulls. And he's to tear down the idol. And then he's to cut down the Asherah. The Asherah was, they had these trees. And they were called the Asherah trees. And they would carve them like, uh, y'all seen totem poles. Okay, that's kind of where this comes from. Totem poles kind of, usually totem poles, they would carve gods into them. Images of their gods, and they would worship those totem poles, and they make sacrifices. You go back to the Mayans and different ones, and you go back to the Asherah, and that's what this was. They were the Asherah poles, and they were they were uh, idols to the goddess uh, Asherah and uh, a god of of sex. And he says, pull these down, cut down these Asherah that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of the stronghold. Now somebody get a revelation right there. When you are in a battle. When you are facing a crisis, when the enemy's coming against you, when your faith is weak, look what God tells Gideon to do. Go, tear down the idols, and build an altar to God Most High on top of the stronghold. On top of the stronghold. Build an altar with the stones. Laid in order. Notice. Man we could very easily just pass right by that. But the stones. Have an order. The stones even have a place. In worship. God was so specific. About building this altar to Gideon. He even tells him. Which stones to place where. And in what order. Now folks that says a lot about God. He's got a plan. Everybody say, He's got a plan. He's got a plan. plan. Even now, He's got a plan. He says, Then take the second bull and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood. (laughs) Take the pagan wood (laughs) of the God, the idol you cut down. It's kind of like, uh, how many of y'all remember Abraham? God had Abraham cut four beasts in half, four animals And and let the blood go between the two halves. And I looked up one time. I got into studying why those four specific animals—a bull, you know, a bull, a ram, and a a dove and a pigeon. Why those four? Because we see those four different animals come up in culture after culture. From from Egypt to Babylon, even all the way down to Syria, Amalekites, Midianites, we see these come up again and again as gods. So even going back to Abraham, God was saying, "I am God of creation. I am God of I, there, don't don't make gods out of creation or anything else." And so here he says, "Take the wood of the Asherah, the idol that you cut down." And use it to burn on the altar. Notice that God has Gideon tear down the false gods. And build an altar to Adonai in the place. And worship Adonai in the land that had been perverted. Folks, there's a lot of perversion in the land. You know what God's calling us to do? Build an altar. And worship in the midst of the land. So not only is this a redeeming act, it's a prophetic act for Israel to be reminded of who their God is. And why would God use the wood of the Asherah to show the Midianites that the God of Israel is the God of all? So there was a distinct difference between the worship of the pagans and the worship of the people. Of God. In fact, if you look archaeologically, you'll find that pagan altars were always round and Hebrew altars were square. And we see that in Exodus when God tells the priest to take the blood of the sacrifice and put it on the four corners of the altar. Why? It's all prophetic, it all fits together. Because when you worship and you enter in that that place of God's presence, you encounter in that place of surrender and sacrifice, you encounter the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But for God to come in and intervene and change and transform you and to receive your worship, you must be part of the sacrifice. Amen? You. Not just that which you are sacrificing, but you. Wow. So God tells him to do this. And God's intent was for him to do it openly in broad daylight. But instead, Gideon's faith is so weak that he obeys God, but not in the open. I mean, you know, half obedience is disobedience. (laughs) I mean, you know, obedience in secret, in the dark. Well, it leaves God looking at your motive. Now, let me put this in context. God says, give and take your offering. And when you do, give it in secret. Or if you bless someone, do that in secret. So it's not to boast or brag. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about your worship. We're talking about your faith. Being open before God. So followers of Christ... Let me ask you today, would you say that you have visible faith? Would those around you say that you are openly, openly and blatantly trusting your God? I didn't ask if you are blatantly religious or spooky spiritual. I'm asking, do you have a Rambo kind of trust in God? Some of y'all, that's way back there. You don't even know Rambo. I asked Tori the other day, we were talking about something uh, about, uh, oh, oh. Uh, Angie and I went to a memorial service and we saw a lady that we haven't seen in many years, uh, Ann McGuire, and she played piano at Angie and I's wedding. Yeah, and I said, I was telling Tori, yeah, we, we, we got to see people we haven't seen in years and we saw Ann McGuire. I said, Tori, you remember? She played at our wedding. <laughs> and she said she wasn't born yet. <laughs> like she was born two years later. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. Well will see their mom, even I do that, right? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Y'all may not, some of y'all might know who Rambo was. But do you got a Rambo kind of faith in God? Or do you, do you have more of a 007 secret undercover agent kind of faith? Kind of trust, you know? In Judges chapter 7, Gideon has been labeled as a Uroba, Uroba, baal, Urobaal. baal Which means, the one whom Baal contends. Now, it's interesting, the word Baal in Hebrew actually means husband. And what happened is through the ages... As Israel continued to worship pagan gods and take them as their husband. Remember, when Moses comes down from Mount Sinai with the, with the law of God, right? <clears throat> What's Israel doing? They're worshiping a golden bull. There he is again. This Egyptian idol, which they have taken as a husband, a provider of. A protector, a covering. And God has Moses crush the idol into a fine powder and make them drink it. And so, what has happened as Israel continues to, to go back and rebel against God? The word Baal takes on a proper noun as a pagan or any pagan god. So, in other words, in the spirit of the Lord God, they the the and the ones who labeled Gideon this were the Midianites and the Amalekites, the one whom Baal contends with. Well, what does it mean? In other words, the spirit of the Lord God of Israel. Gideon has destroyed in the spirit of the Lord their pagan gods and now they have labeled Gideon as the one who destroys their idols and against whom their idols have no defense. If only the church today had such a reputation. (laughs) Instead of cowering to cultural compromise and spiritual apostasy. In Judges chapter 6, Gideon has managed, now this is where it gets real interesting. Gideon has managed to gather a massive army of 32,000 men to fight against the Midianites and the Amalekites. And it's estimated that together, the Midianites and the Amalekites had somewhere around one hundred thirty-two to 135,000 men. In their army. Now Gideon musters together 32,000 men. To fight against the Amalekites and the Midianites. And again Gideon is uncertain of his calling and his purpose. So he asks God for more reassurance. And so up to this point Gideon has had to trust God. To know who God is. Number one. Number two, he's had to trust God to destroy the idols. And he's had to trust God and worship God in spite of the opposition, even in his own home. He even trusted God to gather an army of 32,000. Now, if you go read this, God never told him to go gather this army. Gideon had a plan. Everybody say, Gideon had, Gideon had a plan. Gideon had a plan. He was going to help God out. So he goes and he gathers an army of 32,000. You have never done that, right? You've never had a plan to help God out. <laughs> now we see, this, we see this pattern many times through scripture. We see Abraham and Sarah. Sarah had a plan to help God out. It didn't work out too good. (laughs) We see this time and time again. And so Gideon musters these people and he has to trust God. He believes he's trusting God and he gathers these people. But in chapter 7 is where Gideon has to trust God. This is what we're talking about today. Now, God takes him to a place where he has to trust God. When it doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't make any sense. Again, we are living in those days. Judges chapter 7 verses 2 through 3. And Adonai said to Gideon. Thank you for gathering those 32,000 men. Now, that's not quite as many as the Amalekites and the Midianites have, but I think with 32,000, I can do something. Is that what it says? Is that what your Bible says? That should be enough. (laughs) No. No. Ananias says, You got too many. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait a minute, God. Do you know how big the Amalekites and the Midianites' army is? God, it's two nations. Thirty-two thousand in my little pea brain is not even near enough. I'm still trying to gather more people. I'm recruiting. Yeah. Come on. I've got a recruiting campaign. Amen. Right, Jonathan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got a recruiting campaign going on. I got to get some more men. I really, I You know, I like old Westerns. Clint Eastwood and the Duke, you know. Matt, Matt Dillon. <laughs> I don't remember one show, you know, and I, I some of y'all might have said this before, you know. Man, a couple folks come against you in a fight. And I've seen Clint Eastwood and different ones. It's them against five. And he says, Is that all you got? You better go get some more men. <laughs> right? And so God says, there are too many in order for me to give the Midianites into their hand. Folks, right there, that doesn't make any sense. That that just doesn't make a lick of sense. you got too many men, Gideon. I can't deliver... I can't give you victory with this many men. There's too many. I mean, again, I'd be looking at God like like my little dog, you know, with the floppy ear. Huh? (laughs) Head turning sideways. What? What do you mean too many? Lest Israel boast over me. Saying, my own hand has saved me. Now therefore proclaiming the ears of the people saying, whoever is fearful. Whoever is fearful. Whoever is trembling. Whoever is hesitant. Whoever is doubting. You know, Jesus always did that. He'd go into a room where the young girl is dead or something and he'd get all the doubters out. Get all the doubters out of here. He said, let them return home and hurry. (laughs) Get on. And hurry away from the Mount of Gilead. And then, watch this, I imagine Gideon saying, okay God, I uh, don't make any sense, but I'll do what you said. And I guarantee you, I promise you, I, I bet anything Gideon in his heart, Woody, is saying, I hope only about five, accept this offer. <laughs> oh, but I imagine when Gideon says this and says, the Lord says, if you're fearful, trembling, whatever, turn and hurry home, go ahead and leave. You are dismissed. Then 22,000 of the people returned. Oh, my gosh. I imagine Gideon's heart sunk. I mean, that's a massive exodus. Exodus. And he's left with 10,000. This one, it doesn't make sense. I can imagine Gideon going, God, this just doesn't make sense. And God says, trust me. Trust me when it doesn't make sense. And so can you imagine that one day you're hiding in captivity and you're trying to gather just enough food to feed your family, and then the next thing you know, you're leading an army of thirty-two thousand men into battle to deliver your people, and you're trusting God, and you're just happy that you got some men and uh, following you, and then God takes them away. I mean, but you got thirty-two thousand who have answered the call to battle. And I imagine when those 32,000 first showed up, I imagine, you know, with 32,000, you feel like Braveheart. You're painting your face. Woo! You're working on your motivational speech. Freedom! <laughs> I mean, you're you're getting it together. And then all of a sudden, God says you have too many. (laughs) How can you have too many troops to go into battle? Folks, I've served in the army up to brigade level. I've worked in logistics, been been uh, been a battle captain. And I understand the relevance of basic load and unit strength on the battlefield. Numbers are important. His success on the battlefield. But God tells Gideon, too many. And so then after losing 22,000 men, God does it again. Look at verse 4. Judges chapter 7 verse 4. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Still too many. Take them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. And any one of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, shall go with you. And anyone whom I say to you, this one shall not go with you, shall not go. And I can imagine Gideon's kind of nervous at this point because God's little um, triage test here, this little you know vetting test, Is drinking water. Folks. Literally. This does not make a. Lick. Of sins. (laughs) So he brought the people down to the water. And the Lord said to Gideon. Everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps. You shall sit by himself. Likewise everyone who kneels down to drink. Judges chapter 7 verse 6. So right there separating the two folks the point here is not well how they knelt how they drank how, was it this water that water what, what, we're missing the point the point is God separated them well which ones were this and God separated them Come out from among them, says the Lord. And separate yourself. Consecrate yourself today. Trust me. Today, God, there's a separation. Those who trust in the Lord and those who do not. And your trust in the Lord isn't just about trusting God recklessly in some kind of faith that doesn't make sense as much as it is. How you live your life in the midst of those situations reflects your trust in God. See, the point isn't so much that Gideon trusted God in a ridiculous situation. It's that Gideon worshiped God through it. Gideon stood out from among even his own family, his own father. He stood out. He was not a pagan worshiper. He was a God fear. That's the trust in the Lord. Verse 6. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hands to their mouths, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people knelt down to drink water. Verse 7. And the Lord said to Gideon with the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand and all the others go every man to his home. Now I can imagine Gideon is just shaking his head. So you're going to face an army made up of two nations of people. Again, estimated around 132 to 135,000 people two nations, and instead of mustering 32,000 people, God, God, I gathered 30. See, that's what he would have had to say. God, I gathered 30. You told me to do this. I gave you that little test, the whole, you know, thing, God, and and you can, and the angel of the Lord came and, and I, I accepted the challenge, God. And so I gathered 32,000 people for you and you ran them off. How am I going to start a ministry like this? <laughs> you ran them off, God. How are you going to conquer two nations of people instead of mustering 32,000, you send them all home but 300? Well, that makes, I would be, I would if I were Gideon, you know, I'm a retired infantry, airborne, huh, huh, air assault, Officer, I'm telling you, I would have looked at God and said, well, you know what, in the the most sarcastic tone I could, and say, God, you know what, that makes perfect military strategic sense to me. (laughs) God, you need to go read FM (laughs) 100-1. Listen, have you, have you ever had such a loss in your life that you just could not make sense of how God could bring anything good from it? I can imagine Gideon trying to figure out how the loss of 31,700 men was a good thing. How is the loss, God? God, how's the loss of 31,700 men? How is that a good thing? But sometimes you have to trust God when it hurts, sometimes you got to trust God when it's scary. Sometimes you got to trust God when it's heavy, when it's hard, when it's difficult. Sometimes you got to trust God when you got to give things up, when you got to let things go. Sometimes you just got to trust God when it doesn't make sense. Now we can spend time trying to get into trying to figure out God's reasoning between those who lapped the water and those who knelt down and drank it and how and what it looked like and which ones and then then, then, you know what, that would bring nothing. But even that, even that does not make a lot of sense to our ways of thinking. And to make it even crazier, God then gives Gideon an insane military strategy and expects get in to trust him. You know, in the military, I would have looked at, okay, God, we got three hundred men. God, I hope you got a really incredible strategic plan. How are we go? Okay, maybe we're gonna part of them are gonna flank this way, flank on their weak side, and then part of the army is gonna, you know, be a distraction while another part of the army is gonna come from the rear and we're gonna flank them from. Two different sides and we're going to envelop their weak point and man okay God, what's your strategy? <clears throat> Get some trumpets. Get some lamps. God, God, listen, listen God. We can make spears. We can make bow and arrows. We got swords. We can make catapults God. We can do God, come on now. Get some, some lamps. <laughs> the strategic combat plan is to place 300 men around the enemy's camp to simultaneously blow some trumpets and break their lamps and shout. Well, it sounds spiritual. It sounds crazy. Now, if, <laughs> now if, if you were one of these 300 men would you not think this was the looniest plan that you ever heard of to conquer an army of 135,000 men? <laughs> Do what? <laughs> I just want to see. I want to stick around and see how this works. You know, I've, I've read a lot of military combat field mails and instruction mails and, and army doctrine on on combat procedures and maneuvers. Went to Command and General Staff College, Combined Armed Service School, and and I've read uh, a lot of military strategy history, <clears throat> going back from Civil War battles to World War I and World War II. I, I got a bunch of uh, World War I and World War II military history uh, books in there on the shelf, and... And, I, you know, I've studied this stuff from every angle. And, no, and none of those have I seen this strategy. <laughs> As a point of reference to go back and learn military strategy. None. But well, let's look at it. This is exactly why God chose these men. Do you know why? Well... How they licked and well, they were, they were observant. They were alert. They would there you could go it all kinds of things. But the bottom line is this. God chose these 300 men because they would follow yeah, God's that's right, plan. That's right. That's right. That's it. That's right. That's it. It's less to do with the water they drank, how they drank it, as much as God was looking at something within their kavanah, their innermost being, their motivation, who they were, that they would follow God's plan. They wouldn't challenge Gideon. They wouldn't say, you're a nutcase. That can't be God. They would follow God's plan plan are you following god's plan you might say well i don't even know god's plan well friend it's in your bible (laughs) well god wants me to be this or he wants me to be that or do this or marry that one or do this or that date that one or do that no no, no. it reads your bible trust the lord Walk in righteousness. Flee iniquity. Worship Him with your whole life. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He will direct your paths with His plan. Amen? It's when you fail to acknowledge Him that you're following your plan. You see, because when I'm following my plan, I don't want to acknowledge God. <laughs> Unless my plan gets in a mess. Then it's, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, I need prayer. We put it on Facebook. I have a undisclosed prayer. I'm following your plan. Ain't working out. See, when we don't trust God and things don't go the way we expected or thought God should do them, we doubt it was God. Or we help him out by going to our strategy or our plan B. Look at Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 11. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see an almond branch. And the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. What does the olive branch go back to? Remember the olive branch? What happened in with Israel in the wilderness with an olive branch? Aaron's rod. Remember that? What did it do? It it budded and bloomed. And bore fruit, and it was a dead stick. It was a dead stick, and God calls fruit and life to come from it. Yeah. And he says to him, I am watching over my word to perform it. The Hebrew word for almond is shaked. It is the first. To awaken. Isn't that interesting? It's the first of all the fruit trees. To awaken. And bud. And for the front. It comes from the root. Which is derived from the word. shakad, Meaning to watch over. And the word of the Lord came to me. Saying Jeremiah what do you see? And he said. Lord I see. That you are faithful. To watch over your word. For you are the vine, and I am the branch. And I abide in you, and you abide in me. And those that abide in you can do all things, because apart from you, I can do nothing. See, it all makes sense. Meaning to watch over. You see you can never make sense of the supernatural by trying to rationalize it through the natural let me say that again you can never make sense of the supernatural by trying to rationalize it through the natural. and the one who the ones who drank the word for drink there is shaka which is synonymous with shata meaning to drink. Those who shatah the water by lapping, trusted in the watchful eye of the Lord. Folks, do you trust in the watchful eye of the Lord? He is watching over his word to perform it. Do his words abide in you? And if so, then you have nothing to fear but the Lord himself. Look in Deuteronomy. We'll look one, place, one last place this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 20. You shall fear Adonai Elohim. You shall fear the Lord your God. Your God. And you shall what? Serve him. What does that mean, serve? It means You shall walk in His way. You shall halach. Your whole life shall be surrendered to Him. And you shall hold fast to Him. What does that mean? You shall debach. Say it, Blakely. You shall debach. Thank you. If I've taught Blakely nothing else. In all these years, she knows debach. (laughs) To cleave. Him. You know what it means? It means to grab hold of and become bonded. Not just grab hold of and not let go. It means to be bonded and infused as one. Why it says a man shall leave his father and mother and shall debak cleave. The two shall become echad. Say that. Echad. They shall become one, infused together, inseparable for all eternity. You shall fear the Lord, you shall serve Him, you shall hold fast to Him, and by His name you shall swear. You know what that means? He's not saying youth profanity, curse. He said, by His, you shall call, everybody say call, call. upon the name, the name. Of, the Lord. of the Lord. You shall fear Him. You shall serve Him. You shall halach. You shall hold fast. You shall debak. You shall become a God with Him. And you shall call upon His name. You see, like Gideon, you don't need an army. You don't need a plan B to His plans. All you need to do is follow His plan and trust in the Lord even when it does not make sense. Folks, to the supernatural, the natural never makes sense. (laughs) And when you're in the natural trying to make sense of the supernatural, you go, yeah, there you go. You're going to go goofy. (laughs) You see, if God... I'm going to leave you with this this morning. If God can use Gideon, what could He do with you trusting Him? If God could use Gideon, imagine what He could do with you trusting Him. Everybody say, what if? What if if I trusted God like Noah? What if I trusted God like Gideon? What if? What if? What if I trusted God like David? With a sling and a stone. With whatever God's put in my hands. What if I trusted God like Moses? Standing with a Pharaoh behind me and a Red Sea in front of me. And a whole nation full of complaining pagan people. Complaining, rebellious, what if I trusted God? Like Moses. Folks, if God can conquer two nations with 300 men who trusted His plan, what could God do with a church? Just one church! Just one! that embrace the same unthinkable trust in the power of their God. Doesn't matter how big that church is. What if one church trusted in God? Stand with me if you will. Can we be that church? Yes. Can we be that church? I'm going to tell you, the day, we're living in the days. You've got to learn to trust God when it doesn't make sense, yeah. and it doesn't matter how you feel, what you've been through. I mean, listen. There are times in battle and you don't you don't feel much like fighting, but you got to fight. Yeah. Come on! I wish Bruce was in here. You know, Bruce does that cage fighting, <laughs> and I you know I can imagine. Once you get in, you might have felt good before you got in the cage. But once you get in there, and all of a sudden you don't feel good, you don't feel like fighting. It's a little too late. <laughs> too little late. I always say, you know, you know, when you throw that first punch in a fight, you know what you are? Committed. Am <laughs> I right, Craig? You throw that first punch, you committed. Can we be that church that trusts God? That trusts God when it doesn't make sense. In a nation filled with depravity, perversion, degradation. I mean, can we be that can we be that church? An army that functions like a family. A family that fights like an army not fighting each other come on but taking and and using our shield for our brother and our sword for our enemy can we be that family that army that trusts God can you do that for your home it's got to start in your home it's got to start with your family It's got to start with your sons and your daughters walking upright before the Lord and trusting Him when it doesn't make sense. When you you go to college, Joshua, and some professor tells you there ain't no God and all that your father taught you was, was just fable and, you know, just a bunch of Santa Claus religious stuff. No, no, no. Your faith says, oh, no, no. I know my God. That's right no I know my God spoke through me my God used me I know my God can we have that kind of faith that kind of trust come on as we worship the Lord this morning come on just close your eyes with me if you're here this morning say Pastor Marvin maybe you don't even know the Lord maybe you haven't surrendered your life to Him See, I, 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 if God were to separate us today I'd, I'd be on the wrong side But I want to be on the right side Not of Gideon's men But of God's men Or women If you're here this morning And you need to surrender your life to Christ Just slip your hand up Come on anybody Come on Maybe you're here this morning and say, Pastor, I, I I believe in God. I know the Lord, but and I've tried to serve Him, but I struggle sometimes. And I, I struggle with absolutely surrendering. Come on, just lift your hands to the Lord this morning. Just tell me, Lord, I surrender all. I surrender. Maybe you're dealing with some things right now. Maybe you're here this morning and you got some heaviness on you. You got some things you say, I, I I I I need to be like those who lap that water. I need to I need to know the watchful eyes. I need to be reminded that the watchful eye of the Lord is upon me. Come on, I invite you to come to this altar this morning. For God to increase your faith this morning. Come on, come and let the Lord touch you this morning. To increase your faith. Increase your faith. Say, Increase my faith, O oh Lord. Increase my faith, O God, God. to know, to know that the watchful eye of the Lord is upon me. Come on, come on, Father, right now. Lord, touch your precious daughter. Let her know that the watchful eye of the Lord is upon her. For I am faithful, says the Lord, Sherry. For I know you and I I have watched and I have called you out among those with the tenacity to trust me ridiculously and I know sometimes you might say but Lord are you really talking about me <laughs> Lord do you know who you're talking man Pastor Marvin's not here from God because he don't know who he's talking about <laughs> yes I do says the Lord I know and I know you can trust uh, Gideon didn't know he could trust me either he really didn't but I showed him showed him how to trust me and that's what I'm doing in your life says the Lord God even with your son that you had to let go it was hard to let him go It's hard to let him go he's in my hands now he's in my hands but trust me I got him there are seeds that have been planted now I have to take him through a season I have to bring him he's mine to mold and shake now says the Lord And know this, says the Lord God, my word, I am faithful to perform my word that I've spoken to you. From the first time you walked into this house, says the Lord, every prophetic word that I've spoken over you and your family. Where's Jonathan? Is he here? Every word I've spoken, says the Lord, I am faithful to perform it over you over your marriage, over your children, and your children's children. I am faithful. And right now, it may not make sense. Even the situations around you involving your children and everything else, it may not make a lick of sense. But you can trust me. You can trust me. Build an altar. Build an altar on top of the stronghold. Build an altar on top of that which does not make sense. Build an altar. And worship me. When your faith is weak, when your faith is weak and the anxieties and the pressures and stuff doesn't make sense and you're trying to make your plans work, you're trying to make your plans work. Just quit trying to make your plans work. And let me make my plans work, says the Lord. And build an altar together. Build an altar. Come on, take her hand. Build an altar together. And worship me in the midst of the stronghold. When it doesn't make sense, when the frustrations are high, when the discouragement is at its peak, build an altar. What do we do, God? God, what do we do? It doesn't make sense. It's hard, God. We're struggling down here. God, don't you see? Build an altar. Put the stones in order. Identify the idols and and burn them. Build an altar and worship. And watch your trust. Trust. Come on, I hear the Spirit of the Lord say, Trust in me, manifest in worship to me. Trust in me, manifest in worship to me. Do it, God. God, increase their faith, oh God. Increase their faith, yes, God. God, yes, God. God touch this young man. Yes, yes, Son, there's a calling upon your life. There is. There is. And I hear the Spirit of the Lord say, You don't have to follow in anybody's footsteps but mine. Come on, God would say the same thing. Come here, Tristan. You don't have to try to follow in anybody's shadow and success. You don't have to follow in anybody's identity except mine, says the Lord. I'm calling you men to build altars and surrender. I'm calling you to surrender. And I will show you the path that I have for, for you, says the Lord. And success shall come in your own. In your own through my hands, says the Lord. And it shall come in the measure in which I give you, says the Lord God. You don't have to be six foot seven, 300 pounds to succeed in that which I call you to. What you've got to be, do is be eight foot tall and 400 pounds in faith. Yes. <speaking> in your character and your walk with me and your trust with me I'm calling you from among your peers to call and be separated from your among your peers and choose to be different choose to be men who walk as the 300 men of Gideon trusting in me says the Lord God do it do it God do it do Come on, Angela. It does not make a lick of sense. God, they're tearing my building down. You were supposed to sell it. (laughs) Are these conversations you've had? (laughs) And now God, they're tearing it. They're destroying it. I can say this, I don't even have to be prophetic. It's just its just by nature of the very word of God. I got a plan, says the Lord. <laughs> I got a plan and it may not make a lick of sense. But trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Yeah, no, 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 no. Lord, increase your faith. That you've got your hand, your watchful eye. Hear the Spirit of the Lord. I have my watchful eye. I am faithful to watch over my word and perform it. Over your husband, over your family, over your future. He is faithful to his word. God, increase her faith. Lord, we stand with her and Ron in faith. And we help the stones. We take the stones Lord, we help them and we together, we will build an altar with them. And Lord, we stand arm in arm as the 300 with Gideon. God, we stand in faith with them and for them for the plan that you have. God, I'm telling you, as their friend and as their pastor, God, it doesn't make a lick of sense. But I know, I know, I know you're going to do something ridiculous for them. Something just ridiculous. Yes, Lord. <laughs> and there's going to be, oh God, there's going to be rejoicing. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Man, God, the rejoicing is going to make Miriam dancing on the other side yeah. look like a funeral, God. <laughs> come on God we're going to rejoice yes, over the victory in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name thank you Father come here Ron stand with her come on God come on it don't make a lick of sense to God they've been fighting a battle and now here the enemy thinks he's tearing it down and what he's trying to tear down Ha! <laughs> I hear the Lord say it's like it's like Gideon tearing down. Not not that that's becoming idol to your business. That's not what God's saying. But it's it's it, in the world's eyes that's your livelihood. Come on. But y'all, that's never been your livelihood. But even if it were to fall down tomorrow, God's going to be glorified and He's going to bless and and, and, and it, 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 it it everything is in God's order everything it doesn't matter it's in my order it's in my order let your faith be increased let your faith be strengthened that all things are in my order says the Lord nothing happens that I don't know nothing's caught me by surprise every crack in that building hasn't caught me by surprise <laughs> There are cracks you don't even you haven't even found. God already knows about. (laughs) Like the hairs on your head. God already knows. Let your faith be increased today. Amen. Let your faith be increased today. That I know every crack. I know the strength of the foundation, says the Lord. I know. I know what's happening every time they were on those drills and those cranes. I know, says the Lord. I know when the earth trembles. I hear the Spirit of the Lord say, I know when the earth trembles. Whether it's man or it's by my hand, I know, says the Lord God. Let your faith be increased. I've got this. I've got a plan. And I am faithful to watch over my word to perform it for you, says the Lord. Come on, do it, God. Do it, God. Do it, God. Ron, I hear the Lord say, stand out and prophesy. Prophesy. God's deliverance. Amen. Do it, Father, right now in Amen. Jesus' name. Amen. Great is the Lord. Victory in the arm of the Lord and of Ron and Angela Montgomery. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> You know what Gideon cried? Victory in the arm of the Lord. And the arm of Ron and Angela. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Come on, God. Come on, God, right now. Lord, strengthen her faith. Strengthen her faith. Come on, God. I hear the Spirit of the Lord say, You are not alone. Come on, you are part of an army that stands around you, a family. And I hear the Spirit of the Lord say, Go ahead and and shout and bust the lamp and blow the trumpet. And even when it doesn't make sense, Yea, the light that breaks forth in your worship as you build that altar and upon the strongholds of thy soul even. Yea, the light goes forth and the sound of the Lord and the shout of my glory goes forth, says the Lord God, in the midst of it all. When it doesn't make sense yea the oil shall be poured in and the light shall go forth and the darkness shall be pushed back yes. and the light shall cause confusion yes. in the camp of the enemy Yes. and I hear the spirit of the Lord say yea even now when the enemy's tried to bring confusion to you now that confusion oh there's God's bringing clarity but confusion is in the camp of the enemy And though it may not, you may not see it and and, and able to see, but the Lord says, know this, know this, I'm causing those, the the assignments of the enemy to to turn upon themselves even. Come on, there is a joy that is coming. There is a peace that God is pouring upon you right now. God, do it right now. Do it right now. God is increasing your faith. God, increase her faith, increase her faith. Lord God, I ask you right now, begin to speak to her the words of the Lord. May the Spirit of the Lord begin to speak those words of hope. Let her hear. You know, in the story of Gideon, he went down and he was spying out and he overheard the enemy talking about the victory that God of Israel was going to give to a common man. To a common man. And it talks about this bread and all this stuff. Man, we could go into all that. But the point is this. God is going to cause you to hear. The voices, the voice of victory. Even when it's hard for you to hear it. Come on, God calls her to hear the voice of the Lord. Yes, oh God. In victory. In victory. In Jesus' name. Cause her to see, as the prophet said of his servant, to see that there are more for her than they are against her. In Jesus' name, increase her faith, God. Increase her faith, God. Give her that faith of the 300. Let her be counted among the 300, God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen.